Welcome to the First Church Message of the Week podcast. Thanks for listening in. In this season of preparing for the coming of the Christ child, we are reminded of the importance of generations of preparation before us. In this story, we are reminded of the ways others, not just Mary and Joseph and their family, also prepared in ways they perhaps didn't fully understand. What might we need to do or stop doing as we make time to listen in order to prepare and make space for the miracles of this season of our lives? This weekend, we begin our Advent series titled A Simple Christmas. Today, we hear from Pastor Jen Tyler, who shares from Luke 1. She shares the preparation that took place prior to the birth of Jesus with the story of Zechariah and Elizabeth and what that preparation looked like. Here is the First Church Message of the Week. today and over the next four weeks that are going to lead us to Christmas, if you can believe that Christmas is only four weeks away already, uh, I want to invite you between now and then to go on a bit of a journey with me. And it's not the usual kind of journey that we often take this time of year. I don't know about you, but it seems to me that for many of us, this season involves an extra level of chaos uh, with some extra holiday parties or an abundance of gifts to buy or decorations to finish putting up, or family to see, things along those lines. Instead of letting the busyness of this season get to us, so I want to invite you on a journey that helps us focus a little bit less on all those extra things and a little bit more on the gift of simplicity that is found in the midst of this miraculous and familiar story. Part of what captures our attention in this story, beyond, of course, the miraculous arrival of Jesus, for me at least, is how very ordinary this story is, or at least parts of it. I imagine most of us have seen God at work in ordinary ways, haven't we? Maybe you have seen God at work in your everyday life, like when there seems like there's no way forward with an impossible situation, only you finally find your way, even if you don't see it until later in hindsight, right? Or maybe you've had big, elaborate plans that ended up playing out in more humble ways than we hoped for or imagined. Maybe you've all been skeptical at one point or another that when you receive good news, it just seems like it's too good to be true. Or maybe you've been on the other side of that, right? Like, I think of times that I have been traveling and I'm trying to find a place to stay or a hotel or something, and they all seem to be booked and turning me away. There are relatable parts of this familiar story, even if we often don't think of it in that way. And throughout this story, there are other things too that are relatable, like how some of these characters are going about their everyday life living in the best way that they can, trying to be faithful. And they are faithful in what are often ordinary, simple ways, ways that we can relate to and learn from. And so this year, instead of focusing on the big, overly elaborate sorts of extravagant things and allowing all of that extra stress that can come with it to get to us, maybe instead of making that to-do list into a holiday to-do book, as I often call it when it gets too long, 
Maybe instead, this season you can join me, not by ignoring those lists altogether or not doing the things that bring us joy, but by instead focusing on the smallest, simplest parts of this story that are truly life-giving. And so as we jump into the season of celebrating a simple season as we draw near to a simple Christmas, won't you pray with me? Faithful God, who is with us in all times and all places, we ask that you would draw near to us this season, especially as we seek to listen for your voice to hear you more clearly. Help us to open our eyes to the miraculous ways that you are within and around us as we long to see you more clearly. And rid us, O God, from distractions so that all that we see and hear and know and feel and speak are of you. Amen. So as Lori mentioned, this is the season of Advent. Advent traditionally is the four Sundays leading up to Christmas, or in our case, the four Sundays leading up to Christmas Eve, since Christmas Eve will be on a Sunday. And in this season of preparation, since that's what Advent is, I find that some of the most powerful things that we love about it is the power of tradition in the midst of this season. Tradition reminds us that what we do and how we celebrate, it's not just about us, but it's about the generations before us who have taught us to honor and to remember and to prepare and celebrate even in certain ways. Even as we look around us, part of our tradition in this beautiful sanctuary is the way that we have the greenery draped or the Advent candles lit. And these, my guess is that most of us cannot remember a time when we didn't have some of these things. Traditions like these are often rooted in our families, especially if you have some of your own holiday traditions. But often those traditions didn't begin in our own lifetime, but in one way or another long before then. And in the scripture reading I want to read for us today, it, it's going to introduce us to a part of the family that is at the center of our Christmas story that reminds us of exactly that. You see, it wasn't even just Mary and Joseph and their immediate family that were important in this story, but instead we are told in today's reading about how some of their extended family was also preparing. I want to invite you to see what I mean and hear with new ears this story that is not of Mary, but of the first miraculous pregnancy that the angel Gabriel comes to announce to their family. Hear this reading from Luke chapter 1, beginning in verse 5. It says, In the days of King Herod of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah, who belonged to the priestly order of Abijah. His wife was a descendant of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. Both of them were righteous before God, living blamelessly according to all of the commandments and regulations of the Lord. But they had no children because Elizabeth was barren, and both were getting on in years. Once, when he was serving as a priest before God and his section was on duty, he was chosen by lot, according to the custom of the priesthood, to enter the sanctuary of the Lord and to offer incense. Now, at the time of the incense offering, the whole assembly of the people was praying outside. 
Then there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zacharias saw him, he was terrified and fear overwhelmed him. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son and you will name him John. You will have joy and gladness and many will rejoice at his birth for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He must never drink wine or strong drink. Even before his birth, he will be filled with the Holy Spirit. He will turn many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God. With the spirit and the power of Elijah, he will go before him to turn the hearts of parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Zechariah said to the angel, how will I know that this is so? For I am not an old man and my wife I, excuse me, I am an old man and my wife is getting on in years. The angel replied, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God and I have been sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. But now, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time, you will become mute, unable to speak until the day these things occur. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah and wondered at his delay in the sanctuary. When he did come out, he could not speak to them, and they realized that he had seen a vision in the sanctuary. He kept motioning to them and remained unable to speak. When his time of service was ended, he went to his home, and after those days, his wife Elizabeth conceived, and for five months, she remained in seclusion. She said, this is what the Lord has done for me when he looked favorably on me and took away the disgrace I have endured among my people. Here ends our reading today. There are a lot of things that we could unpack here in this passage. Some of it for me is the ordinary that is found in these words, even the way that Zechariah replies. Did anybody else notice that he said he's getting old, but he didn't say that about his wife. He just said she's getting on in years, right? Some of the little details are relatable. I wonder if some of those other things are relatable too. Like, have you ever received news that was too good to be true? One of the things that has always intrigued me about the way that this story unfolds is that I think Zechariah's doubt in this story seems fair and well-placed. I mean, after all, we are told that Zechariah was terrified and fear overwhelmed him. Usually when people see an angel in scripture, they're pretty terrified. So overwhelmed with fear, when this angel comes to him, it brings him good news that his wife is going to bear a child that will honor God. And in that moment, I can only begin to imagine the feelings that would have washed over him. And yet in that moment, he seemed to keep his cool for the most part. He didn't say it was impossible. He didn't push back or say it couldn't be done. But instead, he asked a question, how will I know? A kind of acknowledgement that this seems impossible or at least really unlikely. Plus, Zechariah was a priest, which means he would have known well the stories of scripture and of the fathers of faith before him. 
And I can't help but to wonder if in this moment, he might have, well, been wondering about similar promises made to other people in scripture. Promises like when God promises Abraham and Sarah that in their old age, they will bear a child. If the story is running through his mind, I wonder if he's wondering about Abraham and Sarah, because as their story is told in the book of Genesis, we are assured that they trusted God right away, but they waited many years for this promise to come to be. And so I wonder if Zechariah might have been wondering, too, what kind of timeline God is looking at. Has anyone ever heard good news and wanted to immediately know when it was going to come to be or how you're going to know when it's coming to be? Zechariah surely would have been wondering if he was going to wait a long time, too. And so how will I know, he asks the angel. That's what we do, isn't it? When we learn big news or we cast big dreams, we immediately begin to wonder about the details. We want to know who else knows or is going to be involved. We want to know what exactly is going to happen and when and where. We want to know why and how these details are going to be, especially how this is going to be possible. Perhaps, though, Life has taught you, as it has me, that as much as we are always tempted to ask these questions, sometimes they aren't very helpful. Sure, they have their place in things like solving these crime mysteries that people love to watch, right? Or in making plans as we look ahead. But sometimes we can also give so much attention to the details and wondering about how that we forget to trust. We forget to know that when God makes a promise, God always follows through, always, even if not in the ways we imagine or on the timeline that we hope for. God always follows through. But instead of trusting that, we tend to overthink things, don't we? We tend to overplan or we accidentally even shift our focus from the main thing to those details where it's easy to worry about how exactly this is going to come to be when we can't quite imagine it or haven't been able to in the past. But here in this story, the angel Gabriel is essentially, essentially saying to Zachariah, don't worry about it. God's got this. Don't worry. Instead of saying these exact words, of course, Zechariah is invited to be present, to listen and to trust God, as he is invited to know that as surely as God has sent this angel to bring good news, God will provide. It's easy in these moments to speak And perhaps it would have been even easier still for the angel Gabriel to reprimand Zechariah in this time as he wondered and asked aloud how this might come to be. But instead, Gabriel does something that's unexpected, at least to me. And instead of telling Zechariah to listen and trust things that we've all heard before but are easier said than done, he instead of telling him this, he sort of forces him to, as the angel takes away his ability to speak, to ask questions out loud, to push back. Suddenly, we are told that Zechariah becomes mute and unable to speak. 
I've always been a little surprised about how very little is said about Zechariah beyond this point. All we know, of course, is that the people around him get used to him not speaking. As we're told, he doesn't speak for the duration of Elizabeth's pregnancy. It is only later when we are told that the child is eight days old and when he affirms through writing that the child's name shall be John, just as the angel declared, only then we are told, is he able to speak? His child, John, about whom we speak, by the way, is someone many of us may know as John the Baptist. All of this time, for the whole duration of Elizabeth's pregnancy, we are told Zechariah is silent. Now, presumably, this is so that he can be left in silence as a reminder to pray about and trust in God. Not in a menacing sort of way, mind you, but in a way that allows him to prepare his heart for his child's miraculous birth. As Zechariah centers the voices that are the most important here. Now, surely, Zechariah trusted the angel's promise And he trusted that his speech would return upon his child's birth. And so it makes me wonder if maybe that kind of silence could have been a gift for him. A time apart for him to prepare. Because even if maybe it didn't feel that way the first day, when something has an ending in sight, it feels different than when it's permanent, doesn't it? And so maybe there was a gift in this time, in this unprecedented sort of time apart. A gift that maybe some of us wish we could have, right? And by, a, by that, what I mean is there is a gift of being present as we watch, as we care for, as we wait alongside his beloved. She conceives, she joins him in seclusion, we're told even, for the first five months that she's pregnant, I wonder what that season of preparing for this child looked like from their perspective. Because my guess is it didn't include those big extravagant to-do lists that we have. You know, the kind, right? The kind that make us wonder how we're going to get it all done. The kind that are unending and the more things you cross off, the more things you add to it. Instead, I imagine it was a time for them that was ripe with opportunity to prepare by slowing down, by speaking less, and by listening more. It was a time to enjoy the kind of peacefulness that is only found in silence. And I don't know about you, but that sounds pretty life-giving to me. I mean, there are a few things that I appreciate more than the gift of silence, especially after a busy day or in the middle of a busy season. My favorite thing to do when I get home every day, whether it is after worship around noon on a Sunday or some evening after a day here at church, whenever I get home, my favorite thing to do is to sit still and just be present in silence. Now, of course, there's a giftedness to greeting those we love and getting to share our days together, but I am never ready for the day to end until I've had a period of time where I can just sit still and just be silent. Because I find silence to be grounding. It centers me to both start and end my day with this ritual of taking time to be. Not that I get that every day, of course, but what a gift it is when I do. Can you imagine 
how different our lives would be if we carved out time for that kind of peaceful preparation and wind down each and every day. Or maybe even for some of us that that's harder for each and every season. In this season of preparing for the coming of the Christ child, I want to invite you to find ways to do that with me. To hit pause in the middle of some of our busy schedules. Maybe even saying no to attending a party or two. Not because the parties are bad, but because if we're honest, sometimes when we have too many extras in this season, they're just not as life-giving as we hope they are when we run from one to the next to the next. Right? And so I wonder whether it is a holiday party or paring down our shopping list to include less stuff and more alternate kind of gifts, or maybe it's something else altogether. What might you need to do or stop doing for that matter in order to make time to listen in this season, in order to prepare and make space for the miracles that this season and this life have in store for you? For Zechariah, that space came in the form of being silent, of being still, of letting the love and the grace and the miracles of God wash over him and those around him. He and Elizabeth used this time to pray and to listen and to center as they leaned into God, the giver of all that is good. And whether that sounds and looks like taking time for us to maybe have a little more silence in our lives, or maybe it looks like creating more space in your calendar or simplifying this season in other ways for you, my hope and prayer is that you too would find ways to lean in, to listen, and to allow the simplicity and beauty of this story to prepare us in simple ways that honor God. Let's pray together. Faithful, generous God of abundance who comes to us in the big miraculous ways right alongside the simplest, most unexpected ways. May you help us to be present in the still small silences of our lives. May you help us to make space for you in the busyness of this season. And may you help us to take time to lean in, to listen, and to be more fully present with you in ways that honor you and draw us closer with every breath we take. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us for the First Church Message of the Week. To stay connected, subscribe to this podcast and follow us on Facebook. For more information like our church calendar, worship times, and upcoming events, visit our website at watertownfirst.church. This has been the First Church Message of the Week.